so this morning I, I uh, and I'm getting a little older, so I will put on my reading glasses here in a minute. But I was like, I wonder who was the first person to make glasses. And this goes all the way back to the, to the 13th century, to an Italian, I'm going to get his name right, Salavino de Armante. In the 13th century, I think it was 1285, he invented the first pair of glasses. Like, what drove him to do that? Right? And back then, it wasn't these cool, you know, lenses, these cool, perfect glass that we can see through that makes life better. Back then, I think it was like some quartz rock that they chiseled out of a mountain, and you can kind of barely see through it, but he put it together with steel and with bone, and he put it on his eyes, and he actually didn't let the world know about this. It was a monk who he had shared the glasses with that said, man, you need to, you need to share this invention. Um, I love that. One man who decided to make the world better so that people we could see, and especially as we get older, right? We can see. What now why is that? What drove him to do that? What inside of him says you can do this? You can imagine a, a better world, you can fix something, and he put his hand to it. I believe everything is designed. Like everything we see, everything is built. Like everything has a purpose. I think everything was made including you and me. Some of us spend a lifetime trying to figure out what, what am I built for? Like, what's my purpose? Like, what did God make me for? And that's what this series is all about, what we're made for. We're going to go in depth and talk about our giftings. Maybe some of you know, this is how I've been wired. This is my passion. This is my sweet spot. And the other half of the room is like, I, I've never even talked about those things. Like, I've never even thought about what God wired me for. In this series, in God's Word, we're going to try to answer the questions, who am I, where am I, and why am I here? So what makes you come alive? I've got a few, before I get to the scripture, we're going to be in Ephesians 1 through 3 and Isaiah. Before I get to that, I'd like to say, these are some of the things that our kids are running off the college and hearing. These are some of the things that our kids in high school, these students in high school are hearing, and we all know what they are, but I want to read them. So when we had, we had four psychologists um, go and do a study of all the famous quotes about what's the purpose of life. And I think they got 195 quotes from men and women all over the world from different times, and they boiled them down, and I think it's like a eight, kind of eight big buckets. This is what our students are hearing, and maybe, maybe you heard it too when you were their age. Uh, the first one is life is primarily to be enjoyed and experienced, Right? Life is, life is supposed to be fun and make you happy. That one, Janis Joplin, she, she, was, she was one of the famous people in that one that decided that. The second one is we live to express compassion to others to love and to serve. That's, that's still a little bit better, right? That's Albert Einstein and Gandhi helped provide that one. The other one is life is unknowable. It's a mystery. Bob Dylan. So this one's Bob Dylan. Maybe some of you liked his music, or Stephen Hawking, actually. I don't know if you've read some of his books. They're incredible. And he's trying to explore this big mystery. He's trying to prove it with theorems. The next one, life has no meaning. Sadly enough, this one's Sigmund Freud. That guy must have wrestled, <laughs> wrestled quite a bit for a long time. Here's the next one. I think you might like this one. We are to worship God and to prepare for eternity. 
that Martin Luther King Jr., Mother Teresa, wrote that one. I'll share this. Uh, I'll share this via social media. That way, I don't have to read all eight. Uh, but the point is, we we don't have to guess at this. Like we have black and white proof. We have the instruction book. Like we have a guide that says, "Here's what you're here for." Like here's where the truth is. John ten ten says, "The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy." This is Jesus, but I have come so that you may have life and have it to the full. And you can wrestle with that if you believe it, don't believe it. But like, how many of us have questions like, why does bad stuff happen in this life? Like, why do we have these mass shootings? Like, why do we have this seemingly amazing military person one day decide they're going to they're gonna go make their mark and take some lives? You know, you see this in news time after time or someone home alone that's struggling with, um, with mental disability. So you see the darkness, but also we see the light. We see things we can celebrate. We have one another. Um, we have inventors that make glasses. We have, um, we have in, in our, our pews right now, we have men who've built cars. You know, I'm talking about Steve, right, my friend? It's a thing of beauty. So where where does where does this darkness and light where can we see that? I believe scripture is talking about it very clearly right here. Jesus, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. It sounds like that first part, right? It's real. You may not believe this scripture, but I I I see plenty of proof. Just the life that I've lived. The second part says, and this is the part that we're going to focus on today. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. We were literally made to live a full life, to live fully. Like, that's the whole reason why God put us here. He said, I want you to love me and love one another. Like, his plan, and we'll get into Genesis 1, was to just enjoy one another. So Ephesians 1, 3 through 6. Let me, let me get to the part that we're going to focus on today, God's word. Um, Praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms and with every spiritual blessing in Christ, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Don't miss that part. In accordance to his pleasure and will. To praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. This is the part we need to put my glasses on. <laughs> Give me one second. So that part, I'll, I'll be honest, I don't, I don't truly understand. I truly don't think we can comprehend this. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world. Like, I don't know if he's given us the minds to really wrap ourselves around that. How could he have known us before the creation of the world began. But he did, and he did it in accordance to his pleasure and his will. Isaiah 43, 18 through 21. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and the streams of the wasteland. And then it finishes. My 
to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. So here's the question again, who am I? Have you ever asked that? Like, who am I really? And why am I here? I mean, I think, here's, here's my take on this, on the answer to this question. I think for those of us that find ourselves in our comfort zone, we find ourselves in a place in life where we're happy and content, um, whether we're 18 or whether we're 72. If we're in that comfort zone, I, I'm doubting that we ask that question of ourselves very often, right? It's that moment we get pushed, maybe sometimes shoved outside of our comfort zone. Or maybe we're forced, like as our kids are leaving for college or leaving high school and they're trying to figure out who am I. They, they actually have this question right in front of them. That's when we start to wonder, okay, now, now it's getting real. Now I have to pick who I'm going to be, and, and now I really want to know who God made me to be. And the answer starts here. I, I believe with all my heart, before we can figure out who we are, it's not a self. Um, what, what are those journeys that we often go on? It's not, it's, we're not going to go find ourselves, I don't think, in anything but this. I believe to answer those questions, who am I, it starts with God. It starts in his word. I think the harder we chase after God, the more we seek after him, the more we get in his word, the more we truly go, we get to see, all right, this is starting to make sense. Like, this is who you created me to be. And he aligns it under his purposes. So it starts with God. Who is God? I know that's a silly question. Like, but, you know, when you come from Texas, I don't know if it's the same in Alaska or where you're from, but when you come in Texas, everybody's like, yeah, I believe in God. And you're like, all right. It's like, and I, lear I learned, you know, later on, it's like, okay, maybe their God is not the same as the God I'm thinking about or believing in. So I, you have to ask that next question, like, which, which God are you talking about, you know? And uh, what could be the Hindu, the, the Hindu gods, the many gods and goddesses of Hinduism, right? There's many. So pick one of those. Or it could be the God of Islam. I mean, there's, there's a devout millions of people who worship the God of Islam. Or it could be Mother Earth. Mother Nature. Is that the God that we're talking about? Like, no, I, I believe when we go to Scripture, when we go to some of the oldest documents that there is, we go to the inspired Word of God, of the one and true holy God. 1 Corinthians 8, 6. It says, Yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom all things came and from whom we live. And there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we live. I mean, John, John 14, 6 says it even better. And I, like, I love sharing this one. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. So I just, I don't want us to skip past, and I don't want you guys that are heading to college or, or you know, making it out of high school, I don't want you all to skip past this I believe in God thing. And maybe you're still wrestling with that, and that's great. I mean, I think that we all should wrestle with it. Like, what is it? Who is this God? Who is he to me? And do I really believe this book that he's given me? He is the Alpha and Omega. These are some of the things that I believe personally. Like, and I would love to talk to you about it over coffee. Like, the, I, I literally believe this because I've seen proof for myself, and I'd love to share it with you. He's the Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning and the end. 
He's God the Father, God the Son, Jesus Christ, God the Holy Spirit. He's three in one. He's the creator of the universe. He is the creator of all of us. So here's the coolest part. I don't know. I don't know if you've ever seen the talk of one of these science journals talks, or, or um, one of the the proofs, and they talk about how perfectly placed the planet Earth is in our universe, in our solar system. And the planet Earth literally is so perfectly placed that it's it's almost like it's a perfect distance from the sun, right, for us to have life for us to have warmth, for us to have summer and winter. Um, the moon is perfectly placed from our planet so that we have tides, right? Um, there, It's basically described in the scientific journals that there's over a thousand knobs. So think about it, NASA, when they're launching the spaceship, right? There's a thousand knobs on the dashboard, on the wall. And ev every one of those knobs of a thousand is pointed to the right number, the exact right number, for there, there to be life here on this planet, for us to be able to breathe, for gravity to be just right. And if one of those thousand of knobs was turned just one point degree left or right, none of that would be possible. Now think about that for a second. Could it be there is a creator of the universe? And could it be that that same creator was the one who created you and me? That's what I believe. That's what I believe. So who are you? Again, the question to this, uh, the answer to this question is, who does God say you are? And have you wrestled with that? And have you come to a conclusion with who God says you are? Isaiah 43, 7. Mary Lou read it earlier. Everyone who is called by my name, who I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. You are called. You are created. And you, he formed you and me. All right, so this is the fun part. We'll go back to Genesis. It's kind of weird holding the mic and holding your Bible at the same time. <laughs> Forgive me as I kind of awkwardly work through this. I've never done like this, uh, whatever this is here, a handheld mic. I just need to learn how to talk louder, right? So I Genesis 1, 26 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Don't miss the us and the our in this. He's literally, right out of the gate, is saying, there's, there's, there's more to me than just one. I am the Father. I am the Son. I am the Holy Spirit. To rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the air, over the livestock, over all the earth itself, and every creature that crawls upon it. So God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. You were made in God's image. I mean, the first part of answering the question of who am I is to say, you know what? I'm, I'm made in God's image. And he chose you. He literally chose each of us. Like, it always blows my, my mind. I love to always say for such a time as this, right? He knew we were going to be standing here in this room at this moment face to face. He knew this, and he chose each of you. 1 Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priest, holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. 
Ephesians 2, 4 through 10 says, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms of Jesus Christ in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Jesus Christ. I believe right now and in the future, this part where he says, so he can show the incomparable riches of his grace. Like, I believe right now that that's actually happening, that we get to see this life isn't about how much money I can make. Like, this life isn't about, like, all the pinnacles and awards I can achieve, right? This life is truly about the grace of God's love, loving him and loving one another. And I think that if we, that if we step our, take our heads up a little bit, we will see that. We will see that, yes, it's awesome. I believe God designed us to do amazing things, to go to med school, to save people, to heal people, to, to be a writer and write books. I think, it, I think it takes incredible talent an incredible glimpse of God's DNA in us to see those things through. And that's, that is a miracle in itself. But I think what he's trying to say is nothing compares to his love and grace. Nothing compares to that. He called us out of darkness. I'll finish up in Ephesians 2, 8. For it is grace you have been saved through faith, and that is not from yourselves. It is a gift from God, not by works, so that no one can boast for we are God's handiwork created by Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared us in advance to do. You were made to come alive. Like you were made to come alive. You were made to live fully. And then this next part, in Christ. I think sometimes, just think about what we talked about last week. The When we share our stories, you know, I once was before God, right? I once was. This is who I was. But God got a hold of me. And now. That's the part where we get to talk about it in Christ. Because the I once was, <laughs> I like I would hate to tell all of my stories today about who I once was. You know, I wanted to be, even asked me, hey, what did you want to do when you grew up? You know, his, I think our first phone call he said, what's that? What did you want to do when you grew up? What did you want to do when you grew up? And I said, I wanted to be the president of the United States. <laughs> and he goes, man. And I said, that's a, weird, that's a funny question. Why do you ask that? And he said, I'd just like to know. Um, I eventually, and my, my parents knew it too. They, I was, I was going to go to law. I wanted to go to Harvard Law and then potentially run. Because I just wanted to do good. I wanted to help people. And back in the day, that was very admirable, right? Um, when I got to college, I lowered my bar to, I wanted to be George Mitchell, the economic developer of, of the Woodlands, Texas, right? He is a wildcatter, and he struck oil, and um, he took that money from the oil and doubled down with, with um, you know, finance from our government, from all the leaders in the city, and he built this massive, incredible community. You can see it today. And so I thought, I want to be that guy, you know? And I was on the corporate ladder, and Myra and I had a marketing firm, and we sold that. We were in the economic bubble of the woodlands. It's what, it's what you wanted to do when you were in all of that. That's who I was. But God got, got my attention. You know? And unfortunately, it took, 
it took an 18-wheeler to come out of nowhere and got me on my knees. And I remember I went to my last shareholder meeting at Duke Energy, and all we talked about was earnings per share. You know, how do we increase earnings per share? And we did, man. We increased earnings per share. We were good at it. And it was fun. And it was challenging. I got to come home and tell Myra about it. And she acted like she cared. <laughs> but God got a hold of me. And by the end of that four years at Duke Energy, I got to the point where I'm like, I want to do something more than increase earnings per share. Like I do. And there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. But he called me by name just like he's calling you by name. He had put something in me where he said, I've created you for something. I've got something for you to do. I have formed you. Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live for. You followed the ways of the Lord and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, which is... Um, the evil one, which is Satan, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. We see that. You can look on Facebook market or Facebook and see all the people's bikes have been stolen this week, right? Like here, and all the windows have been broken. You know, you know that people are being driven to do the craziest things. All of us also lived among them one time gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But, but God, right? Because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive in Christ even, even when we were dead. Um, my favorite thing I always used to say, and I, I think it was one of uh, my best blog posts, I always say, even in the middle of all this craziness, right, God could have sent Jesus to come just wipe us out, <laughs> like literally, like back in Noah's day. You know, haven't you ever wondered, like God, with all the bad that's happening in the world, like why wouldn't you just come in and go, nope, <laughs> like stri strike three, like you are done. But he didn't. He did, he did that with Noah's, uh, Noah's family, right? He rescued them and the people that believed and listened. But he's already been down that road. He sent Jesus Christ to save us the second time around. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms of Jesus Christ in order that the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. And the last part, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. He prepared those works in advance for us to do. So here's something cool. One of the guys y'all get to meet next August. One of the guys, you had already met Scotty Blackwell from our mountain trip, uh, but one of the guys you'll meet, I had the... Um, the opportunity to meet on the top of a mountain in the Rocky Mountains. Actually, before we got there, we were having this love where you live. I was talking to a few, pa few pastors here in, in Kodiak, talking about maybe what's one thing we could do in the city next year. Uh, Steve, Steve Paulson's been um, 
introducing to me to different people. I met Shannon at Osen's church, uh, Damon as well. Damon's been introducing me to different people. And I've been thinking and praying, what's one thing that we can do next year together, all the churches in Kodiak, all the organizations? And back in Austin, we used to do this thing called Love Where You Live. And we'd get together and we'd, you know, we'd clean up the, um, the bushes and mulch and all that around schools. We'd paint schools. And it wasn't, about, it wasn't about a CBC thing or it wasn't about a Oceans United Church thing. It wasn't about the Brian Baptist Church thing. It was about us together loving where we lived. And a part of that loving where we lived, I met this man named Matt. And Matt um, is an awesome dude. This guy is like ex-Navy um, Navy diver. I think he had outlived his life expectancy, I think, what is it, 10 years? Um, which is crazy that you'd sign up for that, but, but they give you 10 years to live when you're a Navy diver. So I meet Matt. He owns a ammunition reloading um, company. So this is what he does for a living. He loads, loads ammunition, and um, he actually loads ammunition for the top shooters in, in, the, in the nation. And you'd never know it about Matt. And Matt's kind of one of these loud and, and fun guys that you're like, man, there's something. You know, this dude's larger than life. Fast forward a year, uh, Matt, Matt and Miranda were attending church, but what I didn't know, his wife, is they were also working through an affair that had happened in their marriage. They were working through forgiving each other. They were working through what happens when we chase this life for what we want instead of what God wants. And fast forward a year later, I, I show up at the church where Matt, where Matt is, where Matt attends. And he starts sharing his story about the healing and the recovery that's going on in his world, how God got a hold of him, the I was, but God, and now. And, to, and yesterday, Matt texts me out of the blue, and he says something like this. He says, brother, I'm so thankful for you. I'm thankful that God brought you in my life. And I'm thankful for all the men God has put around me to help me see what I was made for and who he made for. And now and what's ahead. So Matt, believe it or not, is the men's ministry pastor at a church in Austin now. And he shares his story like unashamedly. And says, I once was, but God. And now Matt is truly living for who God made him to be. It's incredible. So this last question, what on earth are we here for? Like, what on earth are you here for? I hope you can answer that question. I Like Kim, I'm giving Kim Davidson a hard time lately. Every time we go to lunch, I, I said, so what, where do you want to be next year? Like, where do you want to be in three years? And he laughs kind of like he is now. <laughs> And he wants to sell his business, so we're going to have an auction for his business after service today. So that way, that's over, Kim. We're going to move you to the future if you're ready or not. Lo lowest bidder is going to be just amazing. <laughs> I will go highest bidder for you. What on earth are you here for? Uh, Kim's wrestling with that question right now. Like he's got, I've got several friends that are in that stage of life saying, you know what, it's no longer about success. It's about significance and what God made me for. And I hope you guys in high school and college can grab a hold of that right now 
and say, God, just and just ask. Like tonight, in your room, when you're all alone, just ask and go, God, I want to know. Like, what'd you make me for? And just show me the way. Like, point it out clear as day. Like, I need a neon sign that just pointed out. And some of the rest of us, we might be wrestling with the same thing too. But I believe, honestly, it's within the pages of this book. And it's, and it's within community with one another where we get to, get to find out what that really is that he made us for. So let me wrap up with Matthew 22, 30, 36 through 40. I believe this is the first step. No matter whether he made you to be an engineer, a writer, a doctor, like whatever that is, that's a part of it. But that's only half of it. That's maybe what he gets to use you to do in his kingdom, for his kingdom. So Matthew 22, 36 through 40. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment of the law? These are the disciples talking to Jesus. And they're just trying to ask him, like, make it simple for us, please. We just need it simply. And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul, all your mind. That's all of us, our heart, our soul, our mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love, the, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. So I'll wrap up with this and the band can make their way back up. We're made to love each other. In this next series, we're just kicking off this brand new series today, Made for This. I invite you to bring a friend, to bring your neighbor. Myra and I are meeting our neighbors right now, and we're just trying to figure out their names, pray for them, grab dinner with them. Like We're just trying to get to know them, right? We're made to love each other. So we'll be talking about what's our identity. In the next few weeks, we'll be talking about what our gifts are. Like, I want to, I want to work with the leaders of the church so that we could truly do a spiritual gifts test together. and we could, we could zero in on maybe the giftings that God made us for. I want to talk about the mission that we're on. And I hope everybody in this room has a part, a stake in the ground in this mission. It doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter how old you are. I believe that God is giving us a chance to grab a hold of it and say, all right, like I want to do this one thing. So if you can imagine with me for a moment, there's, there's a rope right in front of me. And that rope, which way is this? Is that, is that south or north or west? It doesn't matter. South? That rope heads south forever. And this side of the rope heads north forever. It's infinite. Take a ballpoint pen and just mark just this one piece of rope right here. That's how much time we have on this planet compared to the kingdom and eternity that awaits for us. That's it. It's just a ballpoint pen. And I just want to challenge you, don't, don't live another day, don't, don't wake up another day and not know what it is that God made us for, made you for. Like, and I just, I just want to challenge you to ask. Like, he loves you so much more than you know. Where are you headed? What did he make you for?
Let me pray for us. I'll wrap this up. Father, we love you. God, I thank you that every part of this universe, every part of us is completely designed and built with your fingerprints all over it. Father, I thank you that you called us, that you chose us, and that you created us for your purpose. And God, in that purpose, a big part of it is so that we could live fully and just come alive in who you made us to be. Let us not confuse that with anything else that we might be chasing. Father, speak loudly to those who are seeking you this week. We love you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your son. In Jesus' name, amen.